I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello, everyone. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and this is Liberty Lori. And uh, we are sharing some knowledge with you today during our Restore Freedom Weekly Season 2, Episode 25, where today we're going to talk about avoiding burnout while defending your rights. Now, you might think, oh gosh, why is that uh, necessarily an important thing? Or, you know, why do we need an attorney to help us with this? Well, a lot of people look to me or people like me and they go, okay, well, you're an attorney, you're a constitutional attorney. So all of these things obviously must come easy to you or yeah, it's no big deal for you to have to deal with your municipality or your state or your county or whatever on any particular issue where they're trying to violate your rights. I mean, you're an attorney. Uh, here's the thing, guys, I'm still a human. So uh, and uh, in the last few years alone, I have been literally beaten on and uh, figuratively, financially, uh, emotionally exhausted. And, you know, it's still going. Um, so, you know, there's bad government actors in every state and probably every municipality, even the good old tiny small towns in America. So um, it, if we each, and, and we can't expect that we're going to restore our freedom if we leave it to everybody else to do the freedom fighting, leave it to the attorneys or leave it to the, the special interest groups or the freedom fighting organizations or whatever. No, it's going to take a concerted effort from each and every person, just like the moms that do Moms for Liberty and go around uh, fighting at the local school board level to... Um, organizations like Stand for Health Freedom that are fighting at the national level for our medical rights or uh, state level, such as uh, Michigan Vaccine, Michigan for Vaccine Choice. Uh, you have um, party organizations like the local Brevard uh, County Executive Board uh, just south of me where actually my good friend Maya Han lives. And uh, as a board, as a Republican executive board, they have decided to take some actions and make some resolutions and to send letters off to certain government officials trying to uh, get them to uh, start taking decisive action on some big freedom issues. So it takes people at all different levels, in all different respects, in all different walks of life to uh, work either on your own or with a group to restore our freedom, to take back our rights and our liberty. But it is going to be daunting, at least at times. It is going to seem overwhelming and confusing and frustrating. And it's if I have felt that as an attorney who's a damn good researcher and not too stupid, I might add, then what would the average American feel like? Someone who, you know, has not spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours 
uh, already diving into this kind of research and and dealing with legal documents and briefs and court staff and and everything else even i get overwhelmed so uh, i'm actually very overwhelmed right now uh, with life um, i'd ask for prayers for my friend who's in and out of icu uh, dealing with her cancer and the several other family members I have dealing with cancer right now. Um, and just with all of that going on, and then we're dealing still with the city of Ormond Beach case. In fact, I'm putting some final touches on my reply brief uh, to uh, in our in our appeals case. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, there's so many people that reach out and need help and want me to help guide them to write their own brief or motion or whatever. And I'm not always able to help on a one-on-one. -on -one. In fact, I'm usually not available to help on a one-on-one -on -one basis. But what I'd like to do is make sure that today we're just bringing it back to the basics so that when you find yourself in a situation and you know you might it might come out of the blue and then all of a sudden it might feel like it's taking an eternity. It's it's a lifetime to get it sorted out. I want you to be in a position where you know at least some basics from each of the main concerns that might come up of, of a way that you can, some place you could turn to, to be able to get some of your basic concerns addressed. So um, I guess, first of all, let me stop here uh, and address all of you who are joining us and commenting already on live streams on the different social media platforms. Good afternoon or good morning, depending on where you are. And thank you for joining us. Um, for the record, Mike is over on Rumble, so he's oh. safe. <laughs> okay, Mr. Henry, I guess thank you for joining us on Rumble. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. And, and a few other over there, too. What's that? I was just saying, and there's a few others over there, too. They're just being quiet. <laughs> Not chatty. It's really, really easy to get burned out being surrounded by so many who claim to know a white dude with long blonde hair rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to take that. I wasn't sure if I'm. I mean, if I, it, I know the reference. I just, to know was an issue, or if I, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, or I'm going to move on not to not to. Uh, just because I don't know what exactly the, the purpose is there. Hello to the Liberty Cause and Dragonfly One. Hello to Melanie, uh, John, and Brandon. Um, and all right, so let's see. Um, so what I want to do, I'm going to go ahead and get started. I just wanted to stop uh, and, and touch base in the comment section. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I I can't see the full name. Maybe it'll show me if I click on this. Okay, Liberty Absurdity. Uh, the road to hell was paved with good intentions. What about fixing those damn roads? Are we there yet? Just say no to despotism. <laughs> Obviously, you're from Michigan, whoever you are, considering the Michigan <laughs> governor's campaign slogan was that she was going to fix the damn roads already. And did she? No. No, 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 no. In fact, we forgot how horrible Florida or Michigan words roads were until we had to go up in June to Michigan for my sister-in-law's um, funeral. And it, I, it was just, you know, you get 
closer and closer to Michigan. All of a sudden, the second you get in Michigan, you're like, oh, crap. Is the car going to fall apart now? <laughs> you can just tell. It's it's, it's amazing. Um, at any rate. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, so are you getting overwhelmed with having to defend your freedom? Are you getting financially overwhelmed in defending your rights? Are you confused with all the terminology? Not sure how to find cases or statutes? Unsure about which software is re required? Defending your freedom can be quite an exhausting task, especially if you're having to do so in court. So this week, we focus on bringing it back to the basics, like I mentioned, so you can keep on going even when it all seems daunting. I'm going to remind you to check out our true or false question of the week. You could go to restore freedom, excuse me, you can go to uh, youtube.com slash restore freedom, check out our community section or tab. I'm not sure how it appears to others. I only go to the community section when I'm posting from ours, but um, at any rate, um, you can find on Tuesday mornings, I post the true or false question of the week. It's available to answer until 10 p.m. at night. This week's question is expensive legal software is needed to draft motions, briefs, and other pleadings, true or false. So go ahead and check it out on there. And uh, we'd love to see you participating. And again, if you if you want to participate in something like this and know of other people that want to start participating, just to have that something to get your mind, uh, you know, staying sharp on all these kinds of freedom fighting issues, but you don't like YouTube, well, um, if enough of you want to start commenting and joining, and if we could grow our Telegram group a little bit more and it seems like maybe it'd be worth doing the telegram um true or false uh questions again we'll do it there too so at any rate um first one financially overwhelmed in defending your rights and these aren't in any particular order but this often can be the first thing that stops people well uh, i'm not an attorney i can't pay for an attorney i can't pay for this this and that trust me i know i have spent thousands of dollars out of my own pocket to fight for my freedom because I know if they're willing to do it to me, to trample my liberties, then they're clearly going to do it to you. And I was hoping I would, honestly, I, that I would have a heck of a lot more support and uh, donations to be able to have that fight going. We are still thousands in the hole from the Allegan County fight. And now our bill for the um, Gorman Beach case is into the thousands as well. So. Uh, it's only going to keep growing, but uh, what can you do? Well, the first thing, oops, that slide ended up in the wrong place. <laughs> so, um, oh, oh no, I hope it didn't erase the next one. Okay, it didn't, Whew, just in the wrong spot. All right, so uh, it would be, I'd be remiss as a constitutional attorney if I didn't point to at least one part of the constitution. Now this one is a Florida specific one, Many states have something similar. If you're in a different state, check out your own state's constitution. But uh, this one is actually under Article 1, Section 21. It might be, and, and that's the Declaration of Rights section of the Florida Constitution. Your state might have a similar provision in Chapter, you know, uh, 3, 4, or 5, somewhere around there. Uh, whatever your chapter is on the judicial branch, uh, it might be in there. But Article 1, Section 21 in Florida is actually pretty simple. It's one sentence. Access to courts. The courts shall be open to every person for redress of any injury. 
and justice shall be administered without sale, denial, or delay. I mean, it might seem simple. It might seem like, well, what does that really do for me? But you have a right to defend your freedom and your liberty. And this is just one example of where it's actually written into a constitution. Now, the U.S. Constitution, I would say one of the best places to find would be in the Republic Guarantee, the Guarantee of a Republican Form of Government, Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution, because it is we the people that retain ultimate control and authority of our government in all matters. And uh, it's through that, uh, remembering that, I guess, that premise where we, it's the foundation of our entire system of government, um, that is, uh, of course, probably one of the most important constitutional provisions to remember. Uh, I would say only maybe secondary only to the su supremacy clause in um, um, Article 6. No, I'm losing my mind. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. It's okay. Um, it's what happens when you get overwhelmed in your freedom fight. So uh, just don't ask me my middle name because by the end of the show, I certainly won't know that either. All right. So financially overwhelmed. Now, a lot of you uh, have heard of some of these, if not all of these, but I really want to point some important pieces out to you. If you are financially overwhelmed in your freedom fight, don't be afraid or too prideful to ask for help. How can you ask for help? Well, you can use social media and uh, many of you say well gosh i don't like any social media i'm not on social media okay well that sucks to be you because then you're missing out on the opportunity to connect with millions of other people for free um otherwise you know you could try to connect with people from your congregation your neighborhood your work and your family uh, i guess maybe handing out business cards with qr codes or something of that nature you could do that if you don't want to spread the word through social media but it, it is actually easier now than it ever has been to do crowdfunding or uh, to be able to get people to step up behind you if you're on a particular mission now i would recommend these three not necessarily in this particular order but give send go uh, because they don't seem to be censoring whatever kind of freedom fighting topic you're you're fighting for, right? So uh, a lot of places out there, PayPal and of course Venmo is part of PayPal um, and uh, Stripe. Um, I can't even think of all the other ones. Uh, definitely the credit card merchandisers themselves. They are um, discriminating against anyone who seems to value conservative values, uh, Christian ethics, um, the Constitution, freedom, liberty, you know, all those fun things. So definitely, and of course, some of that has been blowing back in their faces. Um, so you need to be able to make sure that like, if you think of the Canadian uh, truckers that was it this last February or the February before, um, you know, we had truckers that were opposing what um, I believe it was the prime minister in uh, in Canada was doing as far as the shutdowns and, and all kinds of rules and everything else. Uh, and so there were um, truckers that, of course, filled their capital streets and people from all over, even the United States, went to support these truckers. And then it became something that was lasting a long time and they needed funds to keep going so they could keep paying for 
their gas and their food and you know those kinds of things necessities bottles of water and what did um what Lori, what's the name of that one that everybody else uses oh gofundme so gofundme and some of the other similar types of banks and things that had funds coming in donations i don't know if it was in the millions or what it was but at any rate large sums of money uh, those organizations like uh, GoFundMe held the money and said, no, we're not going to release it to the intended recipients. Uh, and the whole big thing is just one big nightmare. So um, keep that in mind. If you're going to try to have people help, uh, you know, if you're asking people to help you cover the costs of fighting for freedom, paying for court filing fees or transcript fees or you know, expert witness fees or whatever it is that you might have permitting fees or whatever. I don't even, whatever might need to happen in your situation. Um, make sure that you're using an organization that is not going to keep your money if they don't like the political stance that you take. And quite frankly, the constitution is not a political stance, but unfortunately the left views it that way. It's really disturbing. Uh, but these three organizations, Give, Send, Go, Cash App, and Square are ones that I have used personally and in doing lots of research have never once come across any organization or individual who has ever said, hey, look, these organizations or one of these organizations has targeted me for my political views and they're not, you know, they're, they're keeping their funds or they're charging me extra fees or whatever the case is. These ones don't do it. So um, check these out. Uh, Cash App doesn't cost anything. Square does, but it's it's the cheapest in the industry for credit card processing. And Give, Send, Go, um, I still don't know exactly all the good features about it. It does a little bit more in some senses, um, but Cash, or excuse me, Square does quite a bit of too. So, all right, um, let me double check and look. Um, Lori, I'm seeing there are lots of comments here. Um, Some of it was just kind of a conversation, you know, that they're in the fight and then things happen. And so they had to settle back and it took a while to get back in it. Um, and the Liberty Cause, Article 6, Section 2 for the reform of government. And then just going back and forth on whether it's e-begging or if, if it's a legit request for donations when you're trying to help, not just yourself, but everybody. Well, and even if, here's the thing, I would say if it's a freedom fight, if you are, you know, we had, I think it was last season, we had a friend of ours on, Joel Ibbotson and his uh, friend, Chuck, is that? I think his name is Chuck. I think so too. Okay. Uh, and Chuck is actually, he's in Barry County, Michigan, I think maybe even the city of Hastings, Michigan. And he had some political signs in his yard during election time. And the local government came by and said, oh, you can't have that many signs. And he said, oh, I can't. So he doubled the amount of signs that he had in his yard. And they cited him and fined him. And, and so he's had this case going where he's fighting it because it's not constitutional for them to do that. Think about it. It might not have precedential value in terms of another, if it, if it just resolves at the trial court level and it never makes it higher, it's not precedentially valuable. It's not binding precedent for anybody else that has the same situation. But it's that unwritten rule. It's going to spread the message. If more and more people just fight back for their own freedom 
and their own property than government. I mean, think think about it this way. If uh, the Barry County Courthouse gets flooded with, um, you know, 100 people this year alone that are fighting unjust and unconstitutional municipal regulation, man, Barry County is not that big. 100. Oh, I did it again. Okay, so my screen is blank now. I can still hear you, though. Yeah, yeah. I'll refresh it just real quick. Sorry, guys. Fun times, fun times. Uh, and of course, it takes away my share when I do that. So that's cool. Um, you know, it's not like I work hard on putting these things together for you guys. But uh, anyway, I know Lori. Yep. I was going to say, if I try to move it, you're going to be doing it at the same time. So um, <laughs> at any rate, um, shoot, what was I going to say? Um, yeah. So could you imagine, Barry County is not that big. Could you imagine if they even just get 100 people? Even if they had 50 or 25 people all in this calendar year that fought back against unconstitutional municipal regulation of one kind or another, that would start to create some real waves. And those local government officials would have to start paying attention and realize, oh, crap, we're going to have to deal with that. We're going to have exponentially growing attorney's fees. Let's try to figure out how we could do this where we're not ticking everybody off and we're not losing reelection and we're not X, Y, Z. Okay. So, um, So uh, Melanie on YouTube says, in my opinion, people stand up more effectively when they're confident with the facts. Teach rights like crazy and people will do more, I'll bet. So not sure exactly if there's specific instruction to me individually about that or just saying in general, if you spread the word about our rights, you can't. In fact, that friend, my friend, Joel Ibbotson, uh said before uh before i was he was introducing me to speak at an event a while back i think it was last summer he started off by sharing the story of an individual who's uh got this great story of freedom fighting and he said basically in the end uh you you can't utilize the freedoms that you don't know about if you don't know about your freedom you certainly can't use them and you can't defend them so um certainly help to spread the word in every way shape or form all right so um all right uh i have no idea anyway i guess all i was saying is as far as the e-begging is going if we're calling it e-begging or whatever i mean it sounds a little bit more derogative or negative negative but uh it, it's not i don't think it's a negative thing at all if you're out there fighting for your own freedom it will impact the fight of other people and hopefully if enough people start standing up then eventually those policies, those procedures, those rules, those ordinances, those resolutions will actually change and uh, you'll get new leadership in those positions and governments will actually start having to follow the constitution because they'll realize the people are waking up, having the knowledge and know how they need to start fighting back and they're not gonna wanna deal with that or they're just gonna simply lose reelections or whatever. So make sure, um, um, Anyway, make make sure that uh, you're doing your part and not discouraging others if they need help financially to fight back. So what about being overwhelmed with all the terminology? There's Let's be honest, there's a lot of legal terms out there that I take for granted because it's been my whole life, right? I mean, 
Um, I was on uh, Alan Meyer's show this weekend and uh, you know, you take your own life history for granted, right? It's just, it's just a fact. It's just part of everything. And so I was describing something about the context of the age I was at when I was um, starting to work in the legal field and applying to law school and all that. And so I was, um, I was very young. Uh, it was over 20 years ago when I started working in the legal field. And um, so for me, it's been my, basically my whole adult life. I mean, actually, literally my entire adult life that I've worked in the legal field. So legal terms are a little bit more second nature to me, although some of them are still a little bit like, really, come on, we're we still using that. Uh, but I understand. And when I talk to my husband about things, that's why one of the things I love about having a husband who's a machinist and, and he doesn't have a college degree and he certainly doesn't have a law school degree. He is a normal American. <laughs> so I bounce ideas off of him and I talk to him and I say things. And if he gives me one of those, what, um, then I know I need to correct course because um, if he doesn't understand what I'm talking about or I'm using too much legal lingo, then nobody else is going to understand either. And quite frankly, that includes a lot of judges and lawyers. <laughs> so um, at any rate, if you are overwhelmed with the terminology that are that's used in the freedom fight, that's used, you know, not what certainly whether you're in court. Absolutely. But even if you're not in court and you're just fighting back at your local city council or county council meetings or you are um, speaking at school board meetings or you're writing letters or you're doing letters to the editor or you're just organizing community, um, you know, making a creating a community organization to fight back against some sort of local regulation, whatever it is you're doing in that sense, it can all seem very overwhelming when there's certain terminology. And let's be honest, as Melanie pointed out here on commenting on YouTube today, you're effective when you're confident with the facts. And quite frankly, you're not going to be confident with the facts if you don't even know the basic terms that would be relevant to whatever fight that you have going on. So um, what I strongly suggest, and some of this has come up in, in freedom fighting tools or get involved challenges, at least last year. Um, but if you are overwhelmed with the terminology, I'm going to suggest to you three sources. Just keep it to these three, because otherwise anything more than that is going to be uh, too much to handle. Number one, Black's Law Dictionary. Any legal term, anything in the legal context, you're going to want to check to see if it's defined in a legal dictionary first, specifically the Black's Law Dictionary. If it is, then whatever kind of um, uh, general dictionary term that word might have is most likely not relevant at least in the legal setting, okay? Um, and it, all kinds of law dictionaries that pop up online might be great. It makes it easier to copy and paste. They're free, yada, yada. Don't do it. Get a hard copy of the Black's Law Dictionary. And my copy is over 20 years old and I'm still using it. So you don't don't feel like you gotta keep re-upping when the, that book has a new edition and spend a new, you know, whatever it is now, two, $300, I have no idea. Um, all right, so the next two are free, but they are ones that are commonly, and all of these, I should say, are ones that are, that would be cited, um, or at least the Webster, Webster's Regular Dictionary and Black's Law Dictionary, ones that courts actually cite often, all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Every single state court, as well as the U.S. Supreme Court, cites these particular dictionaries for when they need to define a term, when they're needing to interpret a law, for example, um, 
if interpretation is needed, you need to look at, uh, make sure you guys are all on the same page, right, about certain terms. Well, Webster's Collegiate Dictionary is free, easy to use, online. It's usually one of the first two uh, things that pop up when you do a simple internet search for, you know, finding a definition of a word. Um, but another one that I found very helpful uh, is Webster's um, 1828 Dictionary, which I think I had remembered at some point, who knows, maybe I was the person that found it at some point originally, but I totally forgot at any rate. And I was talking about needing to find uh, a de the definition of to coin when I was on Alan's show on Sunday. And Lori was quick at the keyboard and sent that off to me. And so I could pull it up during the show and it gave great context to make sure that it is in fact the same meaning, meaning as... Um, I thought it would be. Now, is it uh, a dictionary from the 1700s? No, but it's a heck of a lot closer and a lot better uh, to get you to the definition of a word at the time that it was written. Now, obviously, a lot of laws have been written since then, but this is mostly in terms of interpreting parts of uh, state or even the U.S. Constitution. Why? Aren't they living, breathing documents that change? N no. No, um, that's why it's important. The words in these constitutions are very important. And it's important that we know what we the people agreed to. And so whatever the most commonly accepted use of a particular word was when it was adopted, that's why it's important. And that's why looking back and having something like the Webster's 1828 Dictionary would be so important. Now, what about... Um, if you are not sure how to find cases, and let me back up for a second. <laughs> okay, terminology, this is going to be great foundationally speaking, okay? One caveat I need you to keep in mind is that if you're having, if you have a specific law, for example, in the state of Florida, if you're fighting for your own property rights because you think your municipality is over-regulating you, you might want to know about Florida Statute 70.45. Now, the city attorneys in Ormond Beach, when they wrote their uh, answer brief to me uh, a few weeks ago, they went on this tirade about all kinds of other laws and cases and statutes that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. And then they tried to say that, well, the definition of a government exaction, where the government is essentially trying to take your property or overly control your property, that the definition of an exaction has been de defined by this, this, and this through all these cases, right? Okay, that might be great and fine and dandy. In fact, they even, you know, ended up citing some U.S. Supreme Court stuff in there. But why is that irrelevant? Because for that particular kind of thing, for that particular law, that law defines that particular word to make sure that we're all on the same page right from the beginning. If the legislature has chosen to define a word that is used in that particular statute, you have to go with that statutory definition. So just keep that in mind. If, if a law dictionary or the regular dictionary uh, contradict and seem to provide some sort of other term, just make sure if you're talking about a zoning law, if you're talking about something with school boards and it's you're looking up education law in your state, make sure that if there's a term that might have some other kind of meaning that you are looking to see if you're, that statute that you're talking about defines it. This attorney, the city attorney in this case, 
apparently doesn't know how to read because this is a one page law. The entire law is one page long and they apparently don't know how to read because instead of trying to look for some outside source, they should have looked to see, oh, wait, oh, 70.45 actually defines that word. Oh, that's what it means. Anyway, um, the stupidity is ridiculous in this case, but moving on. Okay, so not sure how to find cases or statutes. What if you're trying to find that statute? You think you're you're battling some sort of zoning ordinance or you know your municipality has told you you can't do X, Y, Z on your property and you wanna see where in the law they're allowed to, to do that. Um, you need to have find a place where you can find the cases or the statutes or whatever might be controlling in that situation. So where do you where do you go? Well, uh, the first place that I would suggest that you go, no matter what state you're in, go to your own state's state legislature website. Okay, so uh, Michigan, if you search, it's part of the legis Michigan legislature's website. It's I don't even know what it is anymore. I used to have it memorized, but whatever. It's um, the legislature as a whole. In Florida, I think it's a little weird. I want to say it's through the Senate. Maybe it's through the Senate alone or something that it appears where you find all the Florida statutes, which I was like, wait a minute. When I first started looking stuff up here, I'm like, well, how do I know this is actually like the full law and not just like they're half of it and not, you know, whatever things that have been fully enacted. But just keep that in mind. It might be a little strange on how to find it, but once you find it, you should be good. And hopefully that link will remain open forever and for always. But the number one source to find your state's laws is going to be your state legislature's website. Don't go to some outside source like Westlaw or Lexis if you have access to those. I'd, I wouldn't trust that. I would go to the state source directly. Um, what about federal law? <laughs> well, we should be able to go to the federal government's website directly and find all federal laws. Shouldn't be that hard, but apparently there's so many, it would break the federal government's website because they don't have them on there. There's old versions and there's PDFs that are uploaded here, there and everywhere. And there's regulations and rules and but not one place of a federal government website where you can find all federal laws in current form. So where do you go? Well, as much as I hate trusting a third party source, let alone a, a law school or a college, just because of a variety of reasons, Cornell, Cornell University's Legal Information Institute. I'm 99% certain that's the name. I actually didn't double check it. I'm just used to always seeing it pop up. And it usually shows up as a like a maroon colored LII is what you would see when you do a Google search for a particular federal statute or whatnot. That's what will come up. Maybe Lori can double check, check me on that. But uh, anyway, it is um, it, it, it is accurate. It's a, it's fairly easy to use. And it's going to be, the biggest thing is that it's accurate, okay? So when things have changed in the law or whatever, it's going to be, when you see that, you know you're looking at the most current edition of whatever the law is. If you go to a federal government's website looking for the most current version of a federal statute, you can't actually be certain that's going to be the most current version. In fact, it's most likely not. It's ridiculous. So just keep this in mind, uh, the Cornell Legal Information Institute for all of your federal regulations and laws. Now, what about cases? I have talked about this before, but it's, it's uh, worth a reminder. 
because even my husband forgot about it recently. He said he was looking for something and forgot, or maybe it was Lori. One of the two of them said they forgot about Google Scholar recently. And I think it was Mike. And anyway, it's it's free. As much as we don't like the big tech giants and all their censorship and blah, blah, blah. If a, if a tool is free and it's effective and it works, use it, dude. And so what if somebody has your track, it can track your history that you're researching cases on Google Scholar. I mean, I don't know if that's a thing, if they bother with tracking something like that, but if they did, okay, they can search all they want through my, you know, the, the long history of cases that I've been researching on there, but you can organize things by what jurisdiction you're looking for. If you're looking for your state's uh, Supreme Court cases or appellate court cases, or if you want to go to federal, some kind of federal court, maybe bankruptcy court or the U.S. Supreme Court, um, it, it allows you to not just find cases, it actually allows, allows you to find some example briefs and, and you know, different uh, motions and things at times. You can narrow down by date. It's actually a very good tool that you can use very quickly and um, it's free. So that's obviously a good thing. So Lori, I want to pause and see um was there Did somebody asking for help so i directed them to our website um and they also mentioned that our constitution for the people is dead and so my question is do they understand it's the people that wrote the constitution so only the people can kill the constitution Government can't kill the Constitution. Yeah, government can't just say, oh, this is not a thing anymore. No, what needs to happen is the people need to step up, have some guts, have some perseverance, or if you're finished, have some sisu, and fight back. Fight for your freedom. All the people that piss and moan about, oh, the Constitution's dead. Oh, our freedom is gone. Oh, this country is a waste. Get the hell out. I'm, I'm sorry. I... I today is not the day to mess with me get the hell out of the united states if you don't like the constitution if you don't love this country if you don't love america if you don't love god get the hell out because those are the basics of this country that's the basics of our republic we don't have a democracy we have a republic it's a constitutional republic and everything in the constitution as it's written stands today and we have to fight for it and defend it you can't just let it oh it's written it's done yeah we're good no we get to sit back and chill. No, don't be lazy about it. If you want to be lazy about your freedom, then go to a socialist country. Go to communism and have the government do all the thinking and all the everything for you. And the year that your government decides that they will forget to make toothbrushes, for example, well, that would be a bad year for you, right? Because your teeth would actually suffer the consequences. And don't think that's an extreme example because it actually has happened. And I learned about it many years ago and still decided that Democrat policies would be good until I met my husband, who ironically has no political science background or college education. <laughs> but uh, he is obviously the person that God put in my life to help steer me in the right direction. So at any rate. Well, to, to kind of follow up with that, the people wrote the Constitution, so therefore they must also enforce it. So, and that's what you do when you stand for your rights. So to think that those in government are gonna fix it while you may have some good apples, at the end of the day, it's ultimately our, the people's responsibility. Yes, and as far as people that are also relying on 
I, I was reading a little bit um, of some of the comments anyway about relying on case law. There's no case law. Judges don't make laws. If you think judges make laws, again, read the Constitution. There's case precedent. It does have some value. But above all else is the Constitution. So if something is being violated about the Constitution, I personally don't care if there's a case that says that they can't violate that part of the Constitution because the Constitution says you can't violate the Constitution. So we need to stop living in their mindset and playing by their rules. We need to bring it back. Now, do I try to speak their language when I can? Absolutely. I will fight back with every tool at my disposal. So I use all kinds of cases and statutes and court rules and all these things when in reality, there's far too much of it and it's far too big and chaotic and complex and most of it just needs to be erased. I will use it because if it's there, and it's going to be helpful, great. Speak their language when you can. When all else fails, what does the Constitution say? Period. Not how has it been interpreted. Because interpretations go horribly wrong, and we know that. In fact, look to that, um, let's see, look to the uh, Students for Fair Admission versus Harvard and University of North Carolina Law School programs, or I think just college program. But anyway, uh, look to, to that case from the U.S. Supreme Court from the last week of June 2023. It's something I discussed, I believe, two weeks ago in our Restore Freedom Weekly episode. And in that case, um, in that episode, I talked about a quote from that case where the U.S. Supreme Court came out point blank and said, hey, we did really great about recognizing this particular part of the Constitution initially. But then right after that, we it, it went downhill. We totally screwed it up and have not been following this part of the Constitution for almost every year after that point. We screwed it up. If the U.S. if the U.S. Supreme Court can come out and admit, hey, we've been getting it wrong. We have not been following the, the Constitution for quite some time. There you go. Start with that. No matter what topic you're talking about, if you can't find a case on point that supports something that the Constitution clearly requires, then use that part of the U.S. the U.S. Supreme Court's most one of most recent decisions. So, at any rate, um, let's see. The people have been shut out of the judicial branch since the bar was invented. Oh, no. Don't think that it has something to do with that necessarily because I'm a member of the bar, of several different um, bar, uh, and I'm still shut out. In fact, I would say I'm just, just as shut out as you are because it's actually not about being an attorney or a member of the bar. It's about who's in the good old boy network. So you could just be a wealthy business investor who donates every election cycle to your local judges, and you're going to be as much or more in the in crowd than someone like I would be, because I'm not going to donate to any of them. Most of them are corrupt. I'm going to call them out on their shit. Blaming it on the bar is putting the blame in the wrong place. Each person that does something wrong is guilty of what they did wrong. So if a judge makes a wrong decision, the judge is wrong. It has nothing to do with the bar. Now, if the attorney helps the judge continue with that wrong decision, then again, you know, they're both at fault. So stop trying to find outside sources to blame. It's each individual that does wrong is wrong, period. 
Yeah, and that and that's actually super important because <clears throat> we need to start holding our government officials accountable at all levels, in all branches, in all arenas. And the thing that that really boils down to, what that really means is if a particular Susie Q government official, local government official, <clears throat> Susie Q does something wrong, violates the Constitution, Susie Q has acted outside of the scope of her authority. Susie Q should be held individually responsible if Susie Q is choosing to violate the bounds that are placed upon her by the Constitution. So um, the more we just say, well, I'll just sue the city or I'll just sue, you know, the county or the whatever the governmental entity and make it so that, you know, it's about who's getting paid or whatever. OK, that might have some effectiveness to it if a municipality or county or whatever decides as a whole, well, we need to change course so we don't have these kinds of bigger lawsuits to deal with in this sense. I would say no. If you start going after those government officials individually when they step outside of the bounds of their authority, sue them individually so that they're the ones having to defend the case. They're the ones actively involved. They're the ones whose butt is on the line. Uh, they're going to start paying a little bit more attention. Shoot, if they know that the county clerk two counties over has been sued for X, Y, Z, they're going to be going, um, okay, so how do I make sure I'm doing this right? How do I make sure that I don't end up in that position? That's what it's going to take. And if, even if that means it's scaring all the people out of government that are not willing to ensure they're doing it the right way because they're afraid that they would be sued, great. That's awesome. Not, as, not because I love attorneys getting their, their pockets lined, because, of course, I've never been one of those attorneys to benefit from such a scenario, but because if that's a mechanism uh, by which we, the people, can start to see some real change, okay, let them be fearful that they're going to be held individually accountable. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. All right, so... Lori, stop me if there's something I haven't addressed because I see there's different conversations going back and forth. But um, next point, are you unsure about which software is required? I think that might have been our true or false question of the day. Um, but this is a perfect, uh, when Lori found this image, uh, I just realized that's probably a Mac. Dang it, that is. That's a stupid computer, Lori. Never mind. I really <laughs> like the image. Well, no wonder why she's looking at it like that, though, because she's like, Ew, why? <laughs> no. This is an apple. Of course, it's not going to work right. Um, but um, that's really, it depicted exactly what I wanted, the point I was trying to get. Like, really? Like, how do I do this? What what software do I need? I, I was just thinking about all the laws that go into this. Now, how do I sit down and write all this? What if you're getting uh, ready to go to your local city council meeting? Uh, usually those are twice a month, for example, and you're trying to put together something in writing to submit ahead of time or to submit that night to all the board members. And uh, you're like, gosh, how do, what do I need to do? How do I need to make it look? Usually there's no particular format needed, but it is a little bit daunting if you're thinking that perhaps there is a format out there and you just don't know what that looks like. What if you're fighting for freedom in court, the, the city or the county has brought you into court, not, not even the other way around. You weren't prepared for that. You didn't want to do that. Uh, but that's where things are. You've been dragged into court and you're fighting for your freedom. They want to take your property or they want to, um, I don't know, have you tear down a privacy fence? That's totally fine. It doesn't infringe on anybody else's rights, uh, but they just are super controlling ego freaks. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, those kinds of situations happen. Uh, what does it take for you to put together a response? Now, um, in Michigan, I will tell you that whether you live in Michigan or not, here's a secret. Go to uh, Google SCAO, State Court Administrative Office, to the Michigan Court website. You'll see this example of all, there's a list on there where you can search by topic, and there's tons of forms. Michigan is a form-driven state. At the bottom of the form, it'll tell you the court rule or the law that specifically required that form to be put into existence. A lot of it is, it's just clickable checkboxes or fill-in-the-blank pieces. It'll help you get that formatting, and you don't need any kind of specialized program. Um, I believe you could just fill it on, fill it out online and print it. Um, or save it to your computer. Um, but if you're in a different state, the reason why I want you to keep that in mind is if you have no idea how to do something, like Florida is not really a form-driven state. There's not a whole lot. There's some forms in the back of the court rules uh, to use as examples for court documents. But other than that, there's not like this PDF database of forms for all kinds of different things. And so if you just don't know at all where to start, if you have a state like that, go to Michigan and search for what a proof of service looks like and copy what that looks like if your state doesn't give you an example of what that might look like. Or if you need an example of what it looks like to draft a motion or something like that, at least it gives you um, those Michigan forms. Michigan does a lot of things terribly, but at least with the forms, it kind of gives you the different spots. It'll give you numbered directions. Uh, and so it tells you here, write the facts that, you know, support what it is that you're asking the court to do, et cetera. So at any rate, I didn't think to put that in actually in the presentation today, but it is an important uh, thing I wanted to share with you. So um, what about software, though? Is there actually software required? No, uh, there can't be. And no, there isn't. Now, for uploading, there's... Um, some courts require, well, most most courts probably, if not all, require a login to a specific website where you go to the court's e-filing system and you can file up there. But generally speaking, there I have not ever heard of a state in the entire country that requires a specific software just to create forms. Now, I will tell you, when I was a bankruptcy attorney in the Eastern and Western Districts of Michigan, the uh, federal bankruptcy courts there, uh, several years ago, that um, there's, I don't even remember what it was called, but there were one or two main big bankruptcy software companies, and they made the job so much easier for bankruptcy attorneys. They just fill in a bunch of information, and then it plugs it in and does all these forms for them. Well, I didn't make enough money as an attorney to pay that expense for that expensive software, so I literally made all my own forms, every single one of them, I did it all. And um, and that was okay because it was still giving the court all the information that I was supposed to give them. It was just done in Word or whatever I was using at the time. But now, as you can see on the screen here, if you whether you've used it or not before, whether you like Google products or not, whether you're an Apple user or not, um, you can use Google Docs. Google Docs is free and it's a lot better than it used to be. It's constantly getting better. Um, but that's what I use to draft entire briefs, motions, all my pleadings. I start 
with Google Docs and do the bulk of it in Google Docs. I can actually share it then to have Lori comment or make suggestions or Mike, you can accept those suggestions or deny them. You can, you know, have people making comments, whatever. Google Sheets. Uh, that's something that if you're actually filing uh, any kind of document where you need to have a table of citations or a table of authorities telling, you know, the court or city council or whomever it is where you're getting in your information from, what cases or statutes or court rules or local uh, ordinances that you have, um, you're going to need to compile that table somehow. And I would strongly suggest use the free uh, Google Sheets. It's, you know, Google's version of um, Excel, the Microsoft Excel, uh, which I am definitely not a fan of those Microsoft products, at least for the last 10 years or more. Um, but Google Sheets is super easy to use and you can copy and paste them into Google Docs. You can even have it do this function where you can hit a button and it refreshes if you've put new stuff into the spreadsheet. So again, super, super free. Um, and easy to access. Uh, anyway, Google Slides. I've only recently discovered that if you go to their version of, of um, what is the Microsoft version called, Lori? I'm totally blanking. PowerPoint. Yeah. Um, the PowerPoint version. Uh, but Google's is called Google Slides. And what's ironic about the fact that I was forgetting some of that is that I'm demonstrating all this to you via Google Slides. These slides are made as part of a Google Slideshow. At any rate, I recently discovered that Google Slides allows you to super easily and quickly make very professional looking graphs, charts, timelines, you name it. And I just recently discovered this and haven't really needed it yet. Um, but I played around and put some examples here and there and I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. You could change the colors fairly easily. You could pick a, you know, for each kind of thing, like a timeline, you could pick five, you know, from one of five different main examples and then kind of tweak it as you need it super quick and easy. And then you could do a screenshot is the quickest thing that I would do if you want to bring it over to your, your brief or your motion. Um, but, uh, or, you know, especially if you're not, whether you're in court or not, pictures speak a thousand words, right? So, um, make sure that you are using, you know, don't overdo it, but do as much as you can with simple pictures, graphics, charts, uh, whether you're speaking to your local city council, uh, board, or you are, you know, going to the Michigan Court of Appeals, uh, it doesn't matter. Try to use as much of that as you can because it helps to put it in visual terms for people. The more that they can see it, it's not so much what their mind converts the words into. It's literally seeing something come to life on the page and it's incredibly helpful. Um, and then uh, any kind of PDF program, you will need most likely some sort of PDF program. Now, the Google Docs, the Google Sheets, uh, even Google Slides, all of those you could save within each of those programs. You could save your particular doc sheet or slideshow as a PDF right in those programs. However, if you need, if your jurisdiction requires you to make some sort of continuing page numbers and you know, all, any kinds of other features or functions or make it text searchable, blah, blah, blah. You're going to need a PDF editor. The one that I use is PDF 
exchange editor. I've used it since um, 2020. It's been phenomenal. I can, I'm still learning a lot of the pieces to it. There's still a lot that I don't quite know in there, but it has done the job. So um, I grab all the stuff that I create in those other uh, you know, software programs we just talked about, put it all together, and then I can add consecutive page numbers right at the bottom. Um, especially when I'm doing an appendix for an appeal and a bunch of stuff already has page numbers. You could do Bates page numbering and just do on top. So it starts with 001 and, you know, or whatever. So um, let's see. Oh my gosh. That's a first. Um, I feel like there should be like 300 more slides here. Yeah, I was thrown off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but guess what, guys? I wanted to keep it to the basics today. We're back to the basics. Um, before I forget, make sure to check out our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge tomorrow. It's not that hard. Um, it's pretty easy. I want you to do it. Um, by the way, just just for giggles, um, I'll, I'll clue you in on what it is. Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge tomorrow is basically going to be doing um, a Google Scholar search for a particular term in your own state's you know, court system. But just for giggles, I went on to Google Scholar today and I thought instead of freedom, I'm going to specifically search for quote, restore freedom with quotes around restore freedom, right? And see what comes up. And there's only three things that come up and it was all me. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's cool. I am the restore freedom result in, uh, in Google's uh, database there. So um, anyway, Constitution segment recap, we'll have a video for you on Thursday with this whole uh, PowerPoint uh, or slideshow, whatever, I don't even know the terms anymore. Um, just if you want to remember what some of those, you know, like the Cornell Legal Information Institute, forget what the name is, want to have access to that, whatever, you'll be able to see that with the slideshow itself. Our freedom fighting tools will be shared with you on Friday, of course. And uh, we have one in there, one or two in there that we talked about today. There's at least one or two that we didn't talk about today, but I think they're equally as important uh, for having that historical context, especially when you're reading something that was enacted or, you know, um, voted on many, many, many years ago. Um, so what I wanted to do was, um, like I said, Today, we were bringing it back to the basics because in general, it's easy to get overwhelmed in the freedom fight. Uh, certainly, you can become financially overwhelmed, especially if you're on a limited or fixed income. Uh, certainly, no matter what your background is, you could be confused with all the legal terminology or governmental or political terminology. It can all be overwhelming. It also could be very overwhelming if you don't know just where to go to to find the cases and the laws on point. And if you're unsure about which software might be needed to file some sort of response to get your side of the information out there in front of the decision makers. But don't let these basic concerns or things uh, be what controls your freedom fight. Don't let it be what what takes you down for the count. Stay in there, stay active, keep fighting for your freedom and utilize these. Most of these that I put in here were free. The PDF viewer that I chose is not free. They do have a free version. Uh, the one I chose is not free, 
Um, and um, Black's Law Dictionary is not free. I think all of the other stuff I put in there for you is free. So utilize it. Check it out. Um, and oh, let's see. I'm just trying to see the chat here. Um, Jesus rocks, but separation of church and state. Melanie, I sure hope you're not suggesting that the Constitution says there needs to be separation of church and state, because those words do not appear anywhere in the Constitution. Um, so hopefully I'm misunderstanding your, your statement there. All right, Lori, was there anything else in the comments or otherwise you think that we didn't address that we needed to address today? I don't think so. Not that I can think of. Just Roger oh. just asked which which version of Black's Law. Yes, hello, Roger. And uh, thanks for joining us on Facebook. And just so you know, I did get your messages, um, not on Facebook. Nobody sent me Facebook messages because I don't get those. But Roger, I got your other messages and um, not ignoring them, but it is not a good time for me right now to try to dive back in and, and try to help on some of the stuff there because I'm working on this reply brief and uh, dealing with when to go back to uh, Michigan to be with my friend who's back in ICU and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff that we got going on. So um, just not enough hours in the day for me, unfortunately. Um, as far as what version of Black's Law Dictionary, if you forget this, just search for Black's Law Dictionary on our website and you'll see, because I did a whole, a whole little thing about it, video explaining, etc. The most recent version is going to be the better one. And I would say the deluxe version is going to be the best. But honestly, like I mentioned, I have the 8th the edition deluxe Black's Law Dictionary version. It's 20 years old, um, but it's what I use. And if you're citing to it, you just cite to the page, you know, Black's Law Dictionary, 8th deluxe edition, uh, page, you know, 1145, for example. So I don't really know why you do that as far as page number, because obviously, unless the judge or the other party has the exact same version as you, they're not going to be able to see that page and see that you copied it verbatim, but whatever, it is what it is. Um, nonetheless, it's more about having it. So if you have an original first edition, I guess go with that. But honestly, if you don't have one at all, we'll start with the most recent. Um, and, and a deluxe version, like I said, would be better. It's just going to have more in it. So hopefully that gave you, um, and all right. Liberty cause is saying he thinks he found versions one through nine in PDF format online. I am very skeptical that that is either legit or complete or whatever. So I'd love to see it if you want to send it my way so I could check it out. Um, No, uh, Melanie. Uh, Melanie mentions freedom of religion in the First Amendment. Our founding fathers didn't want religion in government because religion tends to want to run government. That's not at all true. It's not. It's not about um, faith and Christianity is literally the very basics, the foundation of our entire government. Um, to be able to say that everything with regard to religion. Now, a specific religion is not allowed to be endorsed by the government, but the underlying basics of having our rights come from God 
um, of our sovereignty comes from God and uh, everything else relating to that, uh, the basics are on that. Um, that's an undeniable thing that's written into not only our Declaration of Independence, but right into the language of our U.S. Constitution, certainly in our state constitutions. I mean, look at the Michigan and Florida, just off the top of my head, their preambles that say, grateful to our mighty God for our blessings of freedom and earnestly desiring to secure these blessings undiminished to ourselves and our posterity, uh, we do by here ordain and establish this constitution for our state. Uh, that's 99% certain that's the exact wording of our Michigan state constitution. I might have one or two words uh, misplaced there. Uh, Florida state constitution is largely the same. They have a couple of other things that they've added to that. Um, so it is just something to keep in mind that it's not about, um, you know, passing some sort of religious test or, you know, participating in some sort of a religious um, rite or passage or um, uh, whatever practice, but um, Okay, so there's, sorry, there's a lot of questions I'm reading here now, um, and it sounds like maybe that would be a good topic uh, that we could do later on in this season, talking about God and government and how the two intersect, and hopefully Lori can help remind me, and we'll, we'll get going on that. In fact, um, all of you who are commenting back and forth right now, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube or um you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Rumble, whatever, anybody who's uh, on with us live right now, if you are uh, someone who likes that interaction, but perhaps there's too much lag by the time things are typed out, or maybe you're not the fastest typer, or maybe you like to hear more interaction, I know I would, let us know if you would be uh, wanting to participate in something a little bit more live interactive, uh, such as the Twitter spaces or um, Twitter Spaces or uh, Podbean, uh, the Podbean live streaming where we could do call-ins through that. Those would be audio only options, I think. I honestly have never done either one, so I don't know if there's a video element to either, but most likely just audio. Uh, but let me know if you think you want to have a whole live discussion on something like that, and we'll try to do that, especially for a big topic like God and government. Uh, I, it, I'd love to have it be a roundtable discussion, hearing from all different perspectives, and have people really have good dialogue on that. So um, all those last things that people were talking about and um, asking about and asserting and everything else, uh, Melanie Redscow, um you know, liberty, absurdity, everybody, everybody that's been on there commenting, uh, let me know if uh, you think you'd want to uh, jump in and have conversations like this um, yourself if if we did Twitter spaces or um, the Podbean live streaming and calling in features. So, um, all right. So it looks like then we are uh, done with the discussion for this week. So I appreciate all of you joining us today. Please go ahead and check out all those things we mentioned, our Wednesday way to wait and get way to get involved challenge, our Thursday constitution segment recap, and our Friday freedom fighting tools, as well as our restore freedom goodie that will be shared on Saturday. And of course, join us next Tuesday for our next full episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.